Hello and welcome to another episode of the Future Hospitality Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Wells, joined today by co-host Dustin Myers. We are partners at Longitude, a hospitality branding and design group. At Future Hospitality, our goal is to interview the brightest minds in the industry, gathering insights, ideas, and inspiration to share with you. If you enjoy the podcast, please be sure to leave us a review. Thank you for your support. In today's episode, we have the pleasure of speaking with Stephen Cham, co-founder at Eagle Point Hotel Partners, partner at Sightline Hospitality, and vice chairman at the Independent Lodging Congress. During our discussion, we'll hear about the challenges and opportunities that have formed Stephen's path, his perspective on the value of independence as a property, and his team's approach to creating a unique narrative and story for each of their properties. Well, let's go ahead and dive in. Stephen, thank you so much for joining us today. We're so excited to have you on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're super excited to dive into uh, you and your your background, what you guys have going on at Eagle Point and, and learn more about that. So um, before we jump into the conversation, I uh, would love to hear a little bit more about uh, yourself as well as Eagle Point and how um, kind of all this has kind of come together over the years. Yeah, um, I, um, I grew up in the East Coast. Um, my family um, started a, a restaurant business, uh, Chinese restaurants, and um, started getting into hospitality at a very young age, uh, working at my parents' restaurants, um, you know, uh, helping them out as a, as a small business, and uh, got into Cornell um, in, in when I was finishing up high school and uh, wanted a practical a- application of business and uh, got into the hotel school and uh, from there continued on to do uh, hotels, uh, doing appraisals for HBS and then asset management uh, for um, private equity funds, Walton Street Capital uh, and JMB Realty. Um, asset managing uh, luxury hotels, uh, primarily four seasons uh, around the world uh, from um, Sydney to Scottsdale to Chicago, Seattle uh, and Milan. And then um, in 2005, I got hired away to work for um, a real estate, a hospitality real estate platform that was backed by university endowments. Uh, so Yale, Harvard, and Princeton were lead investors. And that company was HEI Hotels out of Connecticut. Uh, and I, I joined their acquisitions group and then ended up uh, heading up that group up until about 2010, uh, deploying uh, over a billion dollars of capital uh, through d- three discretionary funds. And, uh, and I really got the itch to create uh, Eagle Point um, with a friend of mine who uh, was also HVS and Cornell alum, uh, Eric Warner. And uh, we created Eagle Point in 2010 in the midst of uh, the worst recession at that point. And, um, and it's been uh, uh, now about 10 years uh, since we started the company and we've done uh, over $700 million of, of investments with, uh, with partners um, anywhere from uh, ground up development to uh, value add repositionings of hotels uh, to um, operating companies, uh, two management companies, and a conference business. That's a really cool story. Um, it, it's interesting that you started even as a kid in your parents' restaurant. Um, what do you think you learned at an early age that uh, kind of helped you know that that's what you wanted to do with your life? You know, I, I saw how hard my parents worked. Um, you know, they worked uh, basically uh, seven days a week, um, you know, from from kind of 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. And um, 
you know, I, it just was, I was fascinated by kind of, you know, the, the idea of hospitality, making people happy. Um, and, uh, and then also kind of, you know, working hard, um, to create something. And so kind of early on the entrepreneurial bug, uh, was, uh, planted in, inside my head. Um, and, uh, yeah, it continues, continues through this day. Yeah, that's really cool. So I uh, kind of got that seed planted and then went to school and worked for some really great companies and uh, cut your teeth in just various aspects and then uh, went out on your own and, and started Eagle Point. Um, and Eagle Point is, you have more than just Eagle Point, right? You've got a few other entities. Maybe give us some background on on those and how that all came about. Sure. Yeah, Eagle Point is uh, the real estate investment platform. Um, we're primarily uh, GP capital alongside uh, institutional LP capital uh, that uh, invests in value add uh, hospitality plays. Um, you know, uh, a classic deal would be you know buying a hotel uh, in Napa Valley. Um, you know, heading in. Uh, uh, renovation repositioning dollars with a plan and vision and, and then executing that. Um, and we've done about uh, almost two dozen investments uh, via that vehicle. Um, another uh, entity that we uh, are partners with, um, a good friend of ours, Andrew Benial, um, conceived of uh, the Independent Lodging Congress, uh, ilcongress.com, that focuses on uh, boutique and lifestyle uh, hospitality uh, conferences. And um, it's been a labor of love. Andrew's really kind of dedicated himself to it. And uh, we joined on uh, after the first event uh, that he had in Philadelphia. That's hence the Congress element of it. And uh, it's really grown tremendously. Um, you know, we, we were um, up to doing... Uh, six events in 2020. Uh, we had our um, New Orleans event, uh, which is a confab, and it then ended up, um, yeah, get, it happened, and then it, the next one was supposed to be in, in uh, May, and that, that ended up getting canceled because of COVID. Uh, we went to 100% digital to, um, you know, uh, get a continue to build a presence there, and, and it worked out phenomenally well, um, growing our base. And then we just had our first uh, confab post-pandemic in uh, Philadelphia in June. And we're looking forward to having our second one in Brooklyn uh, in September, uh, September 14th. And then our major event, uh, our annual event uh, in Miami in October. Um, so that that's the conference business and really grown tremendously, um, you know, both prior, prior to the pandemic and even during the pandemic. Um, and then the third company we have is... Um, Sightline Hospitality, which is a, a, a boutique and uh, a lifestyle uh, hospitality management company that uh, manages boutique hotels as well as branded hotels uh, on behalf of uh, some of Eagle Point's investments as well as uh, our partners' investments uh, and as well as for third parties. Um, and that's based in San Francisco uh, with a team uh, across the United States. Um, and so, yeah, so through those different platforms, we, uh, we don't have to, you know, uh, have uh, uh, investment options solely with uh, uh, our op hotel management company, but it uh, certainly helps to have uh, a group that uh, thinks similar to us and, and sees the business similar to us. That's really fascinating how, how integrated you are into various aspects of the industry. I'd love to 
kind of unpack that a little bit more as far as the journey that, um, you know, you went through to, and the strategic um, decisions to not only form, you know, obviously Eagle Point, but um, get involved with the ILC and Sightline and, and, you know, what was that like, you know, at a high level? Yeah, ILC was um, uh, an idea that really felt uh, had resonance with us um, in that we think about how we, uh, you know, in being in the industry, how do we push it forward? What are innovations? What are things we can do? You know, we admire folks uh, who have preceded us, right? Whether that's Bill Kimpton uh, or um, you know, other pioneers like uh, Chip Connolly starting his Rob Aviv uh, or uh, Ian Schrager. And, um, and we think about, you know, they created lasting legacies, right? And not, not to say that we're anywhere close to those giants, but, you know, how do we get our ideas and, um, and, and, and create this kind of uh, somewhat white space? And how do we move the industry forward? And, and, and that was our inspiration for ILC. And, uh, and do it in a way that's, you know, not your traditional suit and, you know, conference room and, you know, boring, dry stuff, but talk about ideas and innovation. And we really looked at TED um, conferences as a source of inspiration, uh, coupled with design conferences that, uh, you know, hotel design uh, does and, you know, and, and as well as, uh, as well as still the investment side. So it's kind of a unique melding of, you know, hanging out with some of your best friends in the industry, as well as sharing creative new ideas, as well as meeting new people that you you wouldn't have normally come across. Um, and so we think that's a really exciting um, moment for um, our space, and um, and it really creates meaning. I think we, you know, the folks who have attended our conferences just rave about it and love the intimacy of it, and uh, it's really exciting to um, you know to connect with them. And also we we. We think it also has added benefit to our other platforms in that you get some new ideas or you make new connections and you are part of the thought leadership in moving ideas forward. And so it has mutual kind of benefits through through these inter- interdependencies, interconnections. Yeah, we're looking forward to attending our first ILC event in Miami this year. So um, maybe we'll see you there. Oh, that'd be great. And I just want to add is that, you know, that, that's one of the fascinating things about our industry is that, you know, even though it spans the globe, um, it's small enough that you could fit everybody, you know, in, uh, in, in a 2000 person ballroom. I mean, it's, I mean, there's more people than that, but you, you know, having attended conferences for the last two decades uh, in our industry, you get, you get to see people. And, you know, if you're in the uh, high tech industry, I don't think you'd have that same level of connections and relationships. And that's what makes uh, hospitality so special is it is inherently built in to have these connections and hospi- and, and having that warmth. And then, but knowing people over decades is, is uh, an appreciation that I've built up um, attending these, uh, these events. Yeah, definitely. So kind of circling back to um, Eagle Point, like, um, you know, this, val- this idea of value add hospitality and um, you know, you mentioned that you're, you're involved with acquisitions, uh, repositioning our properties and then the actual execution and, and management of the properties oftentimes too. So, um, could you kind of speak to maybe some examples of projects you've been a part of over the years that, um, maybe you've, uh, 
have been most formative for your group or uh, maybe some challenges you faced and how you guys have overcome those? Yeah, I'd love to share about um, how we created the Arlo Hotels uh, in New York City with our partners um, because uh, Eagle Point was there from uh, inception uh, all the way to today uh, where we are, um, you know, attending uh, ownership meetings and asset management review meetings. And um, those were two ground up hotel projects um, conceived in 2012. Um, just a piece of paper and, and uh, our partners uh, at the time uh, with Geolo Capital and they approached us to um, find a capital partner to develop the land. Um, and uh, one, it was actually one parcel at the time, which was Midtown, uh, which is Arlo Nomad, uh, which is on 31st Street uh, between 5th and Madison. And, and that property has uh, about 255 rooms, very vertical, um, very uh, narrow site. And um, um, a friend of ours conceived the idea of, oh, we should do a micro uh, room product there. Uh, micro room product is similar to like a Yotel and uh, Citizen M. And uh, it was a merging category and it still is somewhat of a merging category. And we, um, we ran with it and, uh, and really uh, helped put together the team that created the personality that ultimately ended up being the Arlo Hotels. Um, and that involved uh, Avrico and, and actually Matt Goodrich, who you've had on your podcast and uh, said, dear friend of ours um, was the head of uh, head of the group in charge of our Arlo Hotel. And um, it was it was great to listen to his podcast and talk about how design inspiration of um, of the college that uh, in the mid uh, middle of the U.S. Uh, inspired him to um you know, come up with the communal aspects of the hotel and the um, and the ethos of it, and so uh, really, really fun and challenging project um, to um, take something that is just on paper and then making it come uh, to life. And we did that at the Arlo Nomad, and then subsequently, uh, almost concurrently, uh, the Arlo Soho, which was um, 325 keys in uh, on off of. Uh, Canal and uh, and uh, Hudson Square uh, neighborhood, and um, on Hudson, and that was a completely different project. And that that one is about ten stories uh, versus Nomad is thirty one stories, uh, but they share the same uh, vernacular of having kind of communal lobby experiences, um, having a, a courtyard uh, area, having a ground floor restaurant, and then having um, second floor meeting rooms, and then on the rooftop, having a very uh, activated uh, rooftop experience. And, and then small guest rooms in, be in between um, with uh, very few suites um, and having um, the guest room itself, um, you enter in and you're essentially in the bathroom area and then you proceed further and you're in the sleeping area. And then you have a very large format window that is almost nearly the, you know, from floor to ceiling and also from uh, wall to wall. And, um, you know, the idea of that was germinated through many, many discussions with our uh, architecture group and interior design group of how do we create um, a box or room that doesn't feel so small, even though physically it is, they're about 150 square feet on average, um, which, you know, is pretty small, uh, but make it feel like it's much more. And the ethos was, 
you know, you're in, you're in Manhattan and you want to, uh, you know, have a great experience, but what is the most important aspects of being in a, in a guest room? It's having a great sleep experience, a great shower experience, and a place that you can do some work uh, or watch TV. And so we, we made sure that we executed very well in those three regards and everything else was a bit secondary meaning that we didn't need the extra space to have a, a you know a massive sitting area we didn't need a closet that hardly anyone used uh, we didn't need to have um you know unnecessary services like room service um so we focused on those three things really well we made sure we had a great sleep experience uh, a great shower and uh, and, uh, and television and kind of a seating area and then we focused our energies of well, if you're in Manhattan, you're going to be out, you know, of 24 hours, you'll be sleeping eight hours. And the other 10 hours, you're probably going to be out and about exploring the city or working. And the other handful of hours, you might be in your room, but you, we want to try to get you away from your room and into our rooftop um, space or in our restaurant or in our public areas. And so we're going to devote the rest of our energies into creating those great spaces, align ourselves with partners with similar vision and create a great uh, urban hotel. Um, and I think we, we achieved those. Um, in, in, if you go on to arlohotels.com, you could see that, um, you know, it's very activated in, in very communal public areas. Yeah, it looks really incredible. Next time we're in the city, we'll definitely have to check that out really a lot of the projects that you guys are putting out are just really inspiring and um, it's been really cool to watch. Are you guys in active growth mode? Are you acquiring new properties, building? What does that look like kind of on the other side of this pandemic? Yeah, we are. Um, we have um, uh, working on a couple of projects that I can't go into too much detail on some of them, but um, we're pursuing uh, a hotel in Southern California um, that um, uh, is just under 200 rooms. Hopefully in, the, in, in a couple months, I can share more about that one. That's really exciting. Uh, we're doing uh, a ground up development project um, in, in a coastal area of California uh, in the Bay Area that will be pretty amazing in, in that it combines kind of uh, live, work, play, uh, stay uh, in a very California um, experience, California living experience, meaning that the indoors and outdoors are very integrated um, in, in that, uh, you, you know, what you, I live in California, by the way, I live in Oakland. And what I love, live, you know, living in California is we have just phenomenal climate. Um, and, uh, and uh, you know, people's residences are very, really like they, they eat outside. They have, you know, amazing experiences um, wining, dining, entertaining outside, and and that we're we're extending that experience into a hotel format, um, and and this project was conceived or uh, developed during COVID, um, and so we incorporated elements in our design um, that reflect uh, the ability to open all the doors uh, of our lobby to the outside, uh, to have a ballroom that on each end. Uh, this is about a 3,000 square foot ballroom. On each end, opens completely with uh, 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 fold-away doors, uh, so you can have open-air experience, and and it spills out into this uh, lawn area that then overlooks a river. Um, and so, you know, it's 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 probably one of the first few um, COVID 
with COVID in mind, designed hotel experiences, uh, you know, in terms of uh, adjusting for a post-pandemic future, which I think is, you know, going to be with us for, for some time, unfortunately. Awesome. Yeah. So you guys obviously obviously know what you're doing and you're, you have incredible port, a portfolio of properties um, that you have been involved in. I'd love to hear a little bit more, and you've already kind of touched on some of the ethos regarding the Arlo um, Nomad is, you know, um, kind of elevating the basics and uh, keying into what guests really want and making that um, a really exceptional experience for them. And so I'd like to hear a little bit more kind of about your ethos and met- methodology when approaching new developments as well as uh, repositioning properties um, how you guys approach that from a branding, um, storytelling, and narrative um, experience um, to create that guest experience and, and kind of how you guys focus in on that? Yeah, that, that's a great question. Um, we we approach, when, when we look at an existing opportunity, whether that's an existing hotel um, or a new build, we, we try not to come in with a preconceived, um, you know, oh, this is our strike zone or this is our box and we're going to plant it here uh, and rinse and repeat. We look at it as, okay, here's a fresh opportunity, um, whether it's an existing hotel, I'm looking at a deal in downtown San Francisco right now. It's like, okay, what could it be refashioned into? What worked? What didn't? What is the customer telling us? It starts first with the consumer and the customer. And from there, we then build up or build back from there and says, okay, well, if we put more dollars here, in renovating reposition it where do we think we'll go if we focused on uh digital efforts or marketing it, it's that's the that's a really fun and challenging part of our business is that it's not um even though it's specialized within hospitality there's so many different ways to approach or tackle a project you know sometimes it's about all about operation and execution and other times it's about renovation or reposition and other times it's about financial management um, and so there's not one kind of solution, but we start with the customer first, because if you can't um, address your customer's needs or what they're looking for or what their pain points are, um, the rest almost doesn't matter. And, and we try not to go, oh, well, this should be a, a Hilton Garden Inn or this has to be a courtyard because we, we're not tied to that, right? We can, we generally skew to lifestyle, but that doesn't, you know, we would just as readily do a branded hotel if it made the most sense. Uh, so we're we're really agnostic um, as to brand. Um, we think that we can control our 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 destiny a bit more if we go toward independent route, and it certainly leaves us more optionality on on exit when we reposition something as independent and then they can sell it to more institutional um, holder that says you know a REIT or or a fund that says you know what I, I want to put a brand on it because we have this strategic relationship. Not great, you know, that, but it doesn't it doesn't encumber us. Um, but then on other opportunities where um, we're we're de- looking at a development project in in Oahu, in an emerging area outside of Waikiki, and it uh, it hundred percent makes sense to uh, work with a brand and and do it with a brand. So uh, I don't want to pigeonhole ourselves and saying we're only doing boutique and lifestyle hotels, but we see that there's more. Um, more flexibility um, by going that route. Certainly it's more harder because you're creating these kind of one-offs, um, kind of like a, you know, it's a, a bit more custom than, uh, you know, a traditional cookie cutter um, template approach. Yeah, I think that's really smart. 
um, just starting with the customer, figuring out what they want, what they need, and and not coming in with an idea of like, oh, we think this would be cool here, um, but really listening and and making smarter decisions based on that. And then um, with the independent approach, being able to create the exact experience that you guys um, think is going to work and just the flexibility and yeah. the customization there. Yeah, and I'll add to that in that it helps that, you know, my first job out of school was working for HBS for Suzanne Mellon in San Francisco. And, you know, HBS uh, was is the preeminent, uh, like, appraisal evaluation firm and, you know, working uh, for Steve and uh, Steve Rushmore and, and Suzanne in the 90s was a seminal moment for me because I got to travel around the country looking at all types of hotels from extended stays to casinos to resorts to urban hotels. And I got to see what really worked and what clicked and what didn't click. And and then also uh, through the rigors of, of appraisal, uh, you would do a market study and you do evaluation. You get and you, you know, obviously walk and talk and meet with folks in the market and see hotels. You start to understand the nuances and, and really kind of break down in a granular fashion um, segmentation of the market and start to say, hey, this market, you know, in um, West Oahu, where we're doing a development deal, we look at that as like, who is the customer there? And really kind of say, oh, there's a military component, there's inter-island component, and there is, uh, 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 um, you know, the international traveler component. And once you kind of understand those di- dynamics, you really then can apply, okay, what are, their, what are they looking for? And we're like, well, we want outdoor experiences. They want a great pool experience. They want a great barbecue experience and, and and like in terms of a barbecue setup, you know, like a, a lanai that they can actually entertain. And so we're building that into the story of how we can see this hotel be a branded hotel and, and really kind of speak to their needs as a customer and consumer. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we were recently in Jackson and got the, the opportunity to see the Anvil and just what a what a cool property that is. I'm curious Thank a you. little more from the creative and uh, brand storytelling side, maybe just kind of reverse engineer what that process looks like. And does it look different every time? Do you guys have a formula that you kind of follow? What, what does that look like with your team? Yeah, it is a great um, example of, you know, Anvil and, and, and our Sandview properties and, and Calstone Motor Lodge and, um, you know, it starts with the, the product and, and the market. And then from there, you know, we uh, seek out um, like-minded um, uh, designers and, um, and branding people um, who, uh, you know, we, we kind of look at like, we have, a, Eric and I have a discipline of we're very quantitative, you know, from our HVS days and looking at assessing markets and risk and all the, that um uh, but then there is the whole uh, personal interest of culture and where things are going. And, and we, we look at where trends are, where, where people are gravitating to, and we kind of build that into what we're doing to create. Um, and, um, and it's not necessarily just dollars and cents. It's also, you know, because it's a, it's a good for the community and a good for um, the, the consumer and customer, the guest. Um, and so we, you know, we find like-minded uh, people in our team. We we have a kind of a skeletal framework of a of a business plan, not fully fleshed out, but at least 
a general um, narrative that we say, hey, this should be, you know, we've, we've assessed the market and we think uh, it should be this type of positioning because the consumer is looking for these, these value added factors that's not currently met in the market. And then we add in layer by layer. Uh, and then we think about how we can create more value. And then we, we try to bring in partners both on the uh, execution side as well as on the investment side that they're aligned. And through that alignment, uh, we then uh, continue to push the team to orchestrate uh, an execution of that vision. Um, so it's a really team-based approach. And um, you know, we, we got a chance to work some, with some really creative uh, groups from um, folks at Studio Tech, which is now post-company, uh, to Avroco, uh, to uh, Goodrich, um, to um, Army of Moon People, some of just the best minds out there in, in the space. Um, and so we're, we're super excited. And those are also partners that we tried to work and it didn't work quite as well. And, you know, it's uh, for, for uh, some reason or other, this is always um, um, a success every time. Um, like, you know, it, it, but it's, uh, it's, but I've realized through these projects and these opportunities that if you have alignment with the team that you really work well together it makes all the rough patches so so much more smoother. I mean, every deal will have a rough patch, um, you know, whether that's external or internal. Uh, but it's the people that's on your boat that makes the difference. Because I've had deals where everything's very good financially, but I have partners that are very, um, you know, combative or you know they don't see the same way, and it just makes it so much more harder to execute, even if it's you know not a big issue. Versus I've had other partners, um, you know, our Portland project, uh, which is now the Huxton Hotel, um, we have phenomenal partners from day one um, in, in the uh, NATO family, Bob and Will NATO. And they've been just tremendous, great gentlemen to work with. And, you know, we went through rough patches in, in developing construction, constructing the hotel. But those issues were minor because we're always, always on the same team and always on this on, on a positive view of how we can solve the issue um, and just made the world a difference. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the end product um, is very inspiring. So kudos on that. Thank you. What are some of the societal changes that you've seen over time? You mentioned that um, you've recently been designing your first kind of post-pandemic uh, hotel and guest experience. What are some of the shifts that you've seen over the over your years in the industry and where do you see that going? That's a great question. Pre-pandemic, I already saw, and, and this is probably, you know, it's not a surprise, not a revelation or anything like that, but it's, you know, we saw that through ILC that there was something there in doing independent and, and lifestyle hospitality. And this was about seven years ago. And we're like, hey, there's something there. It's interesting, you know, and then kind of the whole influencer movement and, and the creative elements have flourished. And I think that's only going to accelerate um, because I think um, people want to seek a deeper meaning in what they're uh, in, what they work in, what they uh, live for. Um, this pandemic has only made it more um, of a revelation to everybody in that they want something more meaningful in their lives rather than just uh, increasing their bank balance or just getting a you know bigger house or anything like that, uh, nicer car. But it's about like, what is the deeper meaning of life? What is it that we want to be here for? How do we want to spend our time? 
and who do we want to spend it with? And that gives me great joy that people are thinking that way. But the most important um, attribute that I find very valuable in my interactions is, is that person thoughtful? Has that person thought about what they're saying and what they're doing and how they're approaching their life? Um, and I, I benefit tremendously from people who think like that um, and I'm thankful for it. And uh, being thoughtful is, is, can be represented in so many different ways, right? But it's just that the attention to care and, and, and how they convey themselves. And so, um, you know, I think it's only accelerated in the pandemic. And I think people are uh, going to be more creative, going to be more thoughtful, going to spend their times more with their loved ones than they ever did before because they realize how precious life is. And so as a hosp hospitality person, hotelier, um, it gives me satisfaction because I can create spaces that represent that, right? That, especially in the independent side, um, that, you know, it's not necessarily another Hampton Inn or, or, or Courtyard Hotel, but that it's a space where, wow, well, they had a great experience at Kelso Motor Lodge in front of our wood-burning fire um, and, uh, you know, had s'mores with their, with their son or daughter. That is a special moment that they'll probably carry with them and they'll remember um, and so that, that, that's where I derive satisfaction from. Um, and I think it's only going to celebrate in that um, the challenges with doing independent lifestyle is that there is very little institutional support for it. It's starting to change. There's more players coming in, but um, they naturally, through risk aversion, prefer a branded experience because they know what a Marriott Courtyard is or a Hilton Garden Inn is. No, no offense to Marriott or Hilton, uh, but it's a very standardized product and they know, and there's less risk. Uh, it's much harder to execute an Anvil uh, or Calcio Motor Lodge because it doesn't fit any standard box. Um, and so you don't have as much folks uh, providing financing and providing uh, support for that. Um, but that's really where society is going to. Um, and I think over time, the institutional markets and what we're seeing in the, the crypto space and NFTs and those types of things that uh, artists and creators who would always struggle, right? The starving artist is, is, is completely true. Um, up until in the last uh, few years, um, you know, would never get recognized for their efforts. They would always get, you know, passed on to the next owner of that artwork um, and they would die penniless. Uh, but now you're seeing uh, through NFTs, and I don't know if you follow that space too much, but it's a, you know, the artists is start finally getting recognition and they're able to benefit from that when they sell in the future. And the reason why I'm talking about this tangent of crypto and NFTs is that it's giving the power back to creators and, and uh, the innovators in, in the space, even though it's just an art right now, it's eventually going to spread into other areas and, and probably into real estate in the not too distant future. And so that's why it's like interesting because then it starts getting institutional support for these kind of one-offs or independent uh, platforms that previously had such a headwind uh, to get through the traditional sources of getting a project done through you know traditional financing. Yeah, that's really interesting to think about the creativity that comes with financing and funding a project like an independent or lifestyle um, hotel. And I love how you're thinking about it with that kind of innovative mindset. You know, I think you're spot on with, you know, where society is heading, where uh, travelers' um, needs and expectations are heading. 
you know, for more of these like unique experiences and these meaningful moments. Um, and I, a hundred percent agree that, you know, valuing the creators, um, is, is only going to continue to grow. So, um, I'm really eager to see how that plays out in hospitality. I think you said it best earlier, um, when you were talking about, you know, you just always been fascinated by making people happy. And I think that at, at its roots, um, hospitality is, is kind of pretty much a, that's a, in its simplest form. That's the simplest way to put it. I think is just like that idea of thoughtfulness, yeah. caring, you know, it's, is that, would you agree or what would you add to that? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, you know, in this pandemic's made me think about, you know, my life and what I focus on, how I want to spend my time. And I'm sure everybody's had that in the last year. And you look back and like, well, you know, at the end of your life, what do you have? You have your experiences and your experiences are a collection of memories and your memories are created from a sense of place and a sense of moment. And, uh, and then you think about well, what are those moments, right? Whether that's just like having a phenomenal meal by yourself, uh, you know, uh, overlooking a beautiful setting, uh, or it could be sharing a moment with uh, a parent or a child or, or, or significant other, you know, and um, I, you know, hospitality in its most fundamental form creates all those moments, right? Um, whether that's a restaurant or a resort or a hotel, um, or it could be, you know, you're about to get married, right? And you're, you're, you're nervous and you're about to open the door. You're probably in the hotel. Um, uh, and so all those moments are like, I, I remember the kind of seminal moments of my life. And it's like, most of the time it's, it's uh, with loved one or, uh, or um, in a setting where, uh, you know, it, uh, sharing a meal or having a great time. Um, and so that's, that that I drive a lot of satisfaction for creating those spaces, uh, places and spaces for people. Yeah, and and like you were mentioning earlier, I think there's just been a leveling of the playing field for these brands, for these expressions, for art. You mentioned NFT and and I mean YouTube and just really everything that's evolving out of the internet and the more lateral communication um, is is just opening up a lot of really cool possibilities. Um, the last question we like to ask, similar to the title of this podcast, is just as you look to the future of our industry, what what are you most excited about? You know, I'm really excited that the people are starting to be more mindful of how they want to spend their time. And I think there's going to be a shift away from, you know, just uh, running through the motions of, of a business meeting uh, or just, you know, oh, I've got to do my sales calls, right? Those are going to be relegated more to Zoom meetings because it's procedural. I think on the business travel side, it'll be more about relationship building, more experiential, uh, more meaningful connections uh, to maintain those business relationships. So I don't think business travel will die at all. I think it'll shrink a bit um, and convert themselves more toward, um, you know, experiential. And then on, on the leisure side, I think people will seek deeper connections, right, when they're in their travels. And that all leads to experiential and sense of place. Um, and, and, and that really is phenomenal for independent and boutique uh, resorts and properties. Um, and then on the, on the uh, associate front, in, in the labor side, you're seeing kind of this shortage of uh, hospitality um, 
positions being filled because I think people have other options these days and they're realizing that, hey, you know, we should be getting paid well for better for what we're doing. Um, and there's a recognition for that. And so I, I'm excited in that I think uh, the silver lining of the pandemic is that it made me, people more thoughtful and considered in their approach and, and that it's going to push further innovation and creation, um, you know, entrepreneurship into that space, which is always a good thing. Absolutely. Yeah, I think the future is bright. I'm excited to watch as you guys continue to just pour into the industry. Um, I'm personally thankful for your involvement in ILC and just what an, what an organization that is and um, just a great benefit to the industry. Um, so thank you so much for joining us. We're looking forward to seeing you in Miami in October and uh, see where it goes from there. Well, thank you. Um, I really appreciate having the opportunity to do this podcast and, and sharing my time with you and, and uh, look forward to seeing you in Miami for sure. Thanks, Stephen. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Future Hospitality Podcast. If you enjoyed today's topic and episode, please leave us a review. If you'd like to learn more about Longitude, you can visit longitudebranding.com to see our portfolio of design work, read our insights blog, and learn more about our team. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for Longitude Branding.